It's wonderful to be in the Lord's house today and so good to see each of you that have come to share with us in this service for the Lord. And uh, thank you so much for your prayers for and your concern for our sister Nina in Ukraine. She's not my sister in flesh, but she sure is in spirit. And uh, many of you have already asked about it this morning. Yes, I heard from her last night. She sent out a Facebook post and she said her and a whole bunch of people were in the basement of the Inspiration Center. More people showed up for Bible study than usual. They're, they were there worshiping the Lord. So uh, someone, I, I heard on TV the other day where someone asked a Ukrainian pastor, said, what are you going to do if Russia takes over? He said, we'll do like we've done before. We'll go underground. We'll continue to worship the Lord. Uh, those people have a resolve that they're going to worship our Lord Jesus Christ, and we're so glad for that. But uh, today I want to invite you to take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 23. I know I've been preaching out of the book of Matthew for, well, over a year on Sunday morning. And uh, last Sunday I went to the book of John because there's some things about these passages of Scripture that uh, Matthew doesn't tell us everything that some of the others do. Uh, we talked about Jesus last week and his trial, that John was right there with him. John saw what was happening. In Luke, Luke wrote his gospel from interviewing people. He got first-hand evidence from people. He interviewed Mary, and that's why we have the, the, the whole story of the birth of Jesus Christ. He interviewed a lot of people, and evidently he had interviewed some of the servants of Herod. So Luke tells us something about the crucifixion of Jesus and the trial of Jesus that, that the others don't. He tells us about Herod. And we're going to look at that this morning, Luke chapter 23. Would you stand with me as we read the first 12 verses? And the whole multitude of them arose and led him unto Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, we found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, Thou sayest it. Then said Pilate to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man. And they were more fierce, saying, He stirreth up the people, teaching throughout all Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place. And when Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged into Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long season, because he had heard many things of him and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Then he questioned with him in many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. 
And Herod, with his men of war, set him at naught, and mocked him, and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him again to Pilate. The same day Pilate and Herod were made friends together, for before they were at enmity between themselves. Would you join me as we pray? Father, we praise you this morning for the privilege just to be in your house. We thank you, Lord, for your presence here today. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in the hearts and lives of your men and women and boys and girls who make up this church. Father, we pray that, Lord, that you will change us completely into what you want us to be and who you want us to be. Father, we just come this morning to submit ourselves into your hands and ask you, Lord, to use us, Father, for your honor and your glory. I pray that you'll just help the Word of God to come alive to us today. And Father, may we just find ourselves sitting there watching what is going on and hearing the words that were being said to and about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, help us each day that we live to glorify and honor you with the lives that we live day by day. Father, we pray for those in Ukraine this morning that are under attack from the Russian government. Father, I pray that you would protect your people, O Lord. Father, I thank you for what you're already doing there. And we thank you, Lord, that God, that you know all about that situation. And Lord, you will bring glory out of it somehow, some way to yourself. We thank you for loving us. Father, I pray for President Putin. I pray, God, that he will come to realize who you are that you are God. I know he doesn't believe in a God. He thinks he's God. But Lord, I pray, just as you showed the Egyptian people that you are God, that you would show the people of Russia that you are God and that you love them and that you want them to follow you. And may your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, and be seated, please. The scripture tells us much about how Jesus was treated before he was crucified. And I realize that the first part of this chapter that we read today probably sounds familiar to you because it pretty much says the same thing that we have seen in Matthew. But I wanted to put it in here because we need to see how it all fits together. We saw Jesus arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. We saw him led to Annas' house, who was a chief priest. He was tried there. He was sent to Caiaphas. He was tried before the chief priests and the Sanhedrin court that night, and it being at night, it was illegal. The next morning, then they brought him into the palace, and there he was tried once again by the same group of people to make it legal. Then he was sent to Pilate, Pilate the Roman procurator, who was over Jerusalem. Pilate tried him. Pilate could find nothing wrong. And Pilate sends him to Herod. Now, 
we, we're going to pick up there today. And think about this. This is all within about a 12, 13 hour period of time that Jesus is being tried after time, time after time after time by different people. And every time that we look at this, we'll find the charges change according to suit the situation. We'll find it again here today. It says in verse one, the whole multitude of them arose and led him unto Pilate. Who is this multitude? It wasn't the common people. It wasn't those who had been out there by the lake when Jesus fed the 5,000. It wasn't them. It was the Sanhedrin court. There were 71 of those people. I doubt that Nicodemus was in this crowd because Nicodemus had become a follower of Jesus Christ. He was probably not invited. I doubt that, it, that Joseph of Arimathea was in this crowd because he was too a part of the Sanhedrin court. But he later on trusted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. But the others, those 69 of them, plus probably some other groups of people that followed. And it says they led him unto Pilate. Now that word led seems to be mild enough. But when you look it up and you begin to find out what they did, they had Jesus bound. He had no doubt had his wrists crossed and, and leather thongs put around his wrist. And he was probably dragged along down through there as they led him to Pilate. The Bible says, and they began to accuse him. Notice the accusations there in verse 2. First of all, they say, we found this fellow perverting the nation. What does that mean, perverting the nation? They accused him of being a revolutionary, that he was trying to change the civil government, that he was trying to change the laws of man. Jesus never tried that. They accused him of something else then. Not only did we find this man perverting the nation, but forbidding to give tribute to Caesar. They said, this man is forbidding people from paying their taxes. That was an out-and-out -out lie. When his disciples had come to him up at the Sea of Galilee and asked him if it was lawful to pay taxes to Caesar, you know how Jesus replied? Jesus said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God's. In other words, Jesus said, pay your taxes to the government. There's some benefit to that. But also give your tithes to God. That's what he taught them. He didn't teach them to not give to Caesar. And a third one, they said. They said that he himself is Christ the King. They're trying to start a political war here claiming that Jesus was saying that he was Christ the King. Well, he did admit to being the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And he did admit that the fact that he has a kingdom, but he said, my kingdom is not of this world. But yet, when people want to try to prove something, they'll grasp at any straw they can get a hold of. 
Pilate steps into the question here. Pilate asked him, in verse 3, Art thou the king of the Jews? They're accusing you of being a king. Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him and said, Thou sayest it. It's what you say. Jesus was not going to deny that he had a kingdom. And he says, It's just like you say. Notice what Pilate has to say then. Pilate turns to the people. Verse 4, Pilate said to the chief priest and to the people, not just the chief priest, not just the Sanhedrin court, but other people that had gathered there that day. It's Passover time. Jerusalem is filled with millions of people. There's a crowd gathered out there. They wonder what's going on. And Pilate said to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man. I can't find anything wrong with this man. I want to tell you something. The world has been judging Jesus for over 2,000 years, and no one has ever really found fault in Jesus Christ. You say, well, they find fault in his followers. Yes, we're fallible. Yes, we falter. Yes, we fail. Yes, we're all sinners, but saved by the grace of God. Don't judge Jesus by us. Because we're just like you. We're human, and we falter and we fail. Now notice the protest here. Verse 5. And there were more fierce saying. He stirreth up the people, teaching throughout all Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place. He's a troublemaker. Everywhere he goes, he's teaching his strange doctrines. He's teaching people to love one another. He's teaching people to forgive one another. He's teaching all of these things. From Galilee down here to Jerusalem. Why, he's even... Raise the dead. This man's a troublemaker. You see, when people want to make charges against you, they don't care if they're true or false. They're just trying to get you convicted, just trying to hurt you. You ever been falsely accused? Doesn't feel good, does it? But Jesus is being falsely accused. Now Pilate, he hears about Galilee. He hears that Jesus had done some things in Galilee. And when Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were a Galilean. You see, Pilate is seeking a way of escape. Pilate can find no fault in Jesus. But yet here he's got this angry mob. He's got these people that are there and they are wanting to condemn this man to death. And he sees a little way out. He's from Galilee. 
That's not my jurisdiction. He's from over in another part of the country. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether he were of Galilean. As soon as he knew that he belonged into Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself was also at Jerusalem at that time. I shared with you last Sunday that, that uh, Pilate's place of residence was in the praetorium there in Jerusalem. And it was built by the Romans and it was used to house their dignitaries and probably Herod was in another part of that same building. And Pilate says, I found my way out. I'll send him over to Herod. I'll let Herod deal with it because this man comes from Galilee. Pilate was shirking his duties. We find that of him as we study this, that he tried everything he could to get out of what he needed to do, trying to get off the spot. Well, who is Herod? There are several Herods mentioned in the Bible. This is Herod Antipas. We can read about him in Matthew chapter 14. You'll read there that Herod took his brother Philip's wife to be his wife. When John the Baptist told him that that was wrong, Herodias, his wife, became angry. It was Herod's birthday, and Herodias had a young daughter. When I say young, I'm talking a young lady. She was big enough to know what she was doing. A young woman. Herodias sent her daughter in to dance before King Herod at his birthday party. Now the Bible's not clear on what kind of dance she did, but it was probably something like a belly dance, a very sexual dance. And it pleased Herod. It pleased his flesh, you see. It got him all stirred up. And he said to this young woman, how can I how can I accommodate you? How can I pay you for what you've done? You, you just name it up to half of my kingdom and I'll give it to you. And she said, I want the head of John the Baptist. You see, John the Baptist had told her mother and her father and her stepfather that they were wrong. No doubt her mother had incensed her and had enticed her, if you get a chance, I want John the Baptist's head, and I want it in a silver charger. Well, it grieved Herod because he had promised her that he'd give her up to anything up to half of his kingdom. And here she's asked for this prophet's head. And he sends out his soldiers. Now, John Baptist was in jail there. And they go and take him out of jail and sever his head from his body. And they put his head in a 
silver charger and take it and give it to this young woman and she carries it to her mom and says, here mom, here's John the Baptist's head. I wonder where they displayed it. That was a trophy, you see. This is what who Herod was. He was the ruler in the Galilee area. His title was Tetrarch of Galilee. Well, notice verse 8. And when Herod saw Jesus, Herod finally gets to meet Jesus. When Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad. Pilate wasn't too glad to see him. But here, Herod Antipas, the Bible says he's exceeding glad. He's just overjoyed that here I get to stand before this man called Jesus. I get to see him face to face. The Bible tells us why. For he was desirous to see him for a long season because he had heard many things of him. Herod had heard many things about Jesus. Now Luke tells us something that the other writers don't. And Luke, I think, understood, and I think Luke had probably interviewed a couple of people that were close to Herod. Because in the two letters that Luke writes, here in the book of Luke and also in the book of Acts, he wrote the book of Acts. He mentions Herod in both of those books. And in Luke chapter 8 and verse 3, he mentions a woman by the name of Joanna. And Joanna, her husband's name was Cusa, C-H-U-Z-A. He was a steward of Herod's. In other words, he worked in Herod's house. And his wife was a follower of Jesus. In Acts chapter 13, Luke mentions a person by the name of Manaen, M-A-N-A-E-N. And it says that he grew up with Herod. Bible scholars say that Manaen was Herod's foster brother. And he was also a follower of Jesus Christ. So these two people, no doubt, through their relationships with Christ and with his disciples, they had said things in Pilate's presence or Herod's presence about what they had seen Jesus do. And Herod really wanted to meet Jesus. Why? He heard many things of him, and here it is, and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Herod was a mirac- one wanting a miraculous thing to happen. There's people run all over the country hunting for miracles, you know. 
They try to find something miraculous. He thought that Jesus would just bow down to his whims and just perform miracles there in front of him. What was he expecting Jesus to do? Maybe expecting him to raise somebody from the dead that had been dead a long time. Perhaps he was thinking about, you know, there's a lot of people out here in Jerusalem today and maybe he can take five loaves and, uh, and two small fishes and go out there and break it and feed this whole multitude. I don't know what he was thinking. But he wanted to see some miraculous thing. A lot of people want to see miraculous things out of Jesus. And he's still doing miracles. He really does. But let me tell you something. Our desires don't really move Jesus. He doesn't give in to our every whim. You know what moves the heart of Jesus? Our faith. When you have faith in Jesus. And you place that faith in Jesus. Then Jesus does things. Notice Jesus' response to him. Verse 9. Then he questioned with him many words. Herod begins to ask Jesus all kinds of questions. It wasn't that Jesus didn't know the answer to all of his questions. He did. But notice what happens. He questioned him with many words. But he, Jesus, answered him nothing. He just stood silently before him. Didn't say a word to him. This didn't please Harry, I'm sure. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. Herod couldn't get Jesus to say anything. The crowd breaks in. The crowd, they had followed him over there to Herod's. The crowd wanted to see something too. But they began to vehemently accuse Jesus. It was getting more heated. That's what the word vehemently means. Whipping up a riot. Herod, he knew he had to do something. And Herod with his men of war set him at naught. They put him over to the side and they mock him. How do they mock him? 
They took a gorgeous robe, as the King James Version says. In another place, it's called a scarlet robe. A royal robe. He's been charged with being a king. We'll dress him like a king. We'll put this robe on him. Everybody will know he's not a king, but we'll put the robe on him anyway. They arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate. I'm sure Pilate wasn't too pleased about this. He thought he was through with Jesus. But there's an amazing thing that happens there. Look at verse 12. And the same day, Pilate and Herod were made friends together. For before they were at enmity between themselves. Here's two rulers. They both rule over a portion of the same nation. And they've been at enmity with each other. They've been fussing and fighting with each other. But on that particular day, they become friends. Isn't that something? I've always heard politics made strange bedfellows. <laughs> I guess that's a good example of it right there. I said, Lord... What lesson do you want us to learn from this passage of Scripture? And the Lord led me to John chapter 15 and verse 18. And these are the words of Jesus. If the world hate you and me, if the world hates us, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Hmm. What a lesson. In our world today, dominating the news is that huge nation of Russia, the largest nation land-wise in the world, invading a little puny country by the name of Ukraine that is about the size of the state of Texas. And you say, what's that got to do with this? It has everything to do with it, really. You see, Russia is an atheistic nation. They do not believe in God. They believe government is God. We're headed that way here in the United States, in case you hadn't noticed. Ukraine, on the other hand, broke away from Russia back in the early 90s. Became a nation on their own. Christianity is growing very fast in that nation. President Putin said he was going to set them free from the neo-Nazis. That's, 
That's his terminology for Christianity. It's not the right terminology, but that's his purpose. To once again try to stamp out the church. Try to stamp out what God is doing in the hearts and lives of those people. He's run into a storm that he don't really realize what he's finding there. He's finding people that love their country and they love their God. And he's finding people that stand up and fight for what they believe in. That's why they deserve our prayers. That's why they deserve our support. But let's come back to today in Etowah, Tennessee. What's God wanting to do in our lives? During our Sunday school time this morning, we met. We've been going through a study for the last eight weeks where God says, return unto me and I will return unto you. We shared with each other this morning what God has been saying to us. Areas of our life where we need to come back to God. This invitation time today is open to anyone and everyone who feels the tug of God upon your heart to come back to Him, to get closer to Him. Whether it's through being saved or, or just recommitting your life to Jesus Christ or seeking God's forgiveness for the things that you've said or done. Whatever God says to you. That's how you're to respond in this invitation time today. It's not what I say to you, but what thus says the Lord. As we stand today and bow our heads in a moment of prayer. Father, I just want to thank you that Jesus paid our sin debt on the cross of Calvary. We see him in this passage of scripture that we've just talked about today where your word says, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We can see how man was heaping the sins of the world upon the life of Jesus. Being accused of things that we do, but not what he did. Being convicted of my sin and the sins of this whole world. We'll see him dying on that cross, giving his life to atone for our sins. Father, help us as your people today to be honest with you, to be honest with ourselves, to just follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God and obey as you would have us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.